Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everybody, and thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Cape Sports Now. I'm Steve Dedarian alongside Matt Goisman. Matt, playoff action last week. We sure had a lot of wild games, a lot of really unpredictable things, and what we got left are four teams that are still battling it out for a sectional title, and hopefully for them, a state title. Absolutely, and probably you can make an argument these were the four best teams in the Cape in their, in their respective sports, I think. Well, I mean, that kind of bears out now. I mean, I know in girls hockey, you had found with knocking off DY over the sure. week, and a lot of consensus saw DY was the best team. I guess you could probably put me in that camp, but, you know, it was a great game over the weekend, mm-hmm. as we'll talk about shortly. You were at a great game yesterday with Cape Cod Academy, boys basketball Absolutely. back and forth. Weren't kind of really sure how that one was going to end up, mm-hmm. but... You know, tremendous heart showed by Jaden Greenleaf and the Seahawks squad there Definitely. To, to get to the semifinals. First time since 2012. It's been yep. quite some time for that uh, for that team. And the Barnstable and Bourne's boys hockey teams are both still in it. Bourne, obviously, the whole South sectional tournament is played at Gallo Ice Arena, which is their home court. So they are still alive. They've got they've had great crowds at their games. I was at, there for the beginning of one of them and. So I think this has been a really fun run for them, too. Yeah, absolutely. All these teams certainly should be proud at this point. With Falmouth girls especially, though, I mm-hmm. mean, w- what an incredible game yeah. um, over the weekend, knocking off DUI 5-4 to four on Saturday at Gallo. Twice well, this year now. Right, that yeah, that was a rubber match. You know, neutral ice, too, mm-hmm. because it was the funny thing is these last two years, these teams have actually beaten each other on their home ice back-to-back. or at, They've been the road team in one the last couple of years, so this was quite an uh, interesting you know, scenario to play on neutral ice, but the Falmouth girls had the right plan and, mm-hmm. you know, really got all the bounces they needed to beat a DUI team who I think a lot of us thought would be back in the quarterfinals after last year. This is certainly the matchup they didn't want just because of the familiarity of it. And Falmouth has played as a team that's got nothing to lose. They Absolutely. had no fear and they really attacked them. And it really seemed to be Falmouth day from the get-go. I mean, they rang the crossbar in the first minute mm-hmm. <laughs> and they just went, they went right after uh, DUI goalie Tesla Bell. Kind of an interesting development there. The freshman starting over Senior Lucy Reed, who mm-hmm. was a playoff starter last year. Um, LaBelle had had the hot hand, and I think Coach John Shaw just wanted to go with that for now and getting that playoff experience. But Sam McKenzie, Ryan McDonald, who are freshmen and eighth graders respectively, they had two goals apiece leading Falmouth's offense, and they just attacked D.Y. every chance they got. Mm-hmm. Just fought, kept firing shots on that and eventually knowing one of these is going to go in. But more impressively, I think the defense is really the story of this game because they had to shut down Kayla and Ava McGaffigan. And yes, Kayla McGaffigan scored twice, but it was both within a minute of mm-hmm. each other in the second period. And other than that, players like Megan Azado, Maddie Robichaud were really key in being physical in the corners, not letting them break out. And mm-hmm. Falmouth, I thought, did a good job of counterattacking and being right. able to get their own breakout. So they didn't sit back. They were aggressive, even though committed, they definitely were aggressive. committed seven penalties in the game and killed all of them off. In fact... They got two shorthanded goals. <laughs> they had right? two shorthanded goals. They were almost better five and four in some circumstances, and they had a power play goal too. So special teams with the units of Jackie Tolino, Hannah Toby, Robichaud, all these seniors and veteran presence, that was just a huge difference. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, to give up one shorthanded goal can hurt you. I think when D.Y. gave up a second, that really kind of effect, maybe had an effect on them mentally because those are so disappointing when you get that Right, up. but what's so crazy is D.Y. still had a shot in this game too. I mean, they tied it early in the third period. Mm-hmm. Sam Johnson, nice look right out front and scored. 
And then 13 seconds later, you had McDonough going right back down the ice and scoring on a breakaway. It was mm -hmm. unbelievable how Falmouth seemed to have an answer to everything that D.Y. did correctly. And they were rewarded with the win. And you also can't, you have to mention D.Y., or excuse me, Falmouth goalie Lucy Armour, only an eighth grader, just was fantastic. And yeah, that really stepped up and gave the effort that Falmouth needed. Mm -hmm. You know, she did give up a few rebounds that led to those, you know, goals in the second period. But she made some timely saves, an unbelievable glove save on Kayla McGaffigan, who was, you know, had the net wide open on a on a rebound, just completely waved at it with her right glove and knocked it away, and it just really didn't seem to like the pressure got to her at all. Mm -hmm. So, uh, just a great win for Falmouth. We'll talk about their next matchup in a second. But Dy, you know, tough tough way to end at sixteen of lives and back to back years with heartbreaking losses, probably sooner than they were expected. Definitely this year. Mm -hmm. um, but this entire team, for the most part, is expected to be back. You know, minus Reed. You know, even the McAfkins, Lyman, Sam Johnson told me last week, and the Twins have said they want to stick around for. Uh, Johnson's a junior her senior year so maybe we'll see one more year the McGaffigans maybe we'll see three more years we're not really sure at this point I mean, yep. there's a lot of soul searching there's a lot of external factors there but certainly it'd be great to see them back again because I think DY has a lot of potential moving forward I've also heard a, a couple of rumors these are very very not confirming anything right. that maybe Georgie Snow might come back next year to the team. She She's was a Worcester Academy now. Yeah, yeah, she was a huge part of the team last year. She was on the same line as Kayla and Ava, as I recall. Yeah, they kind of got mixed up in the middle of last year, but you know, she, was, she was their times. best. She was their top scorer last year. Yeah, last so season. And that would be a huge uh, bonus for them, for sure. Absolutely. You mentioned how uh, the the weird thing that where nobody could win at home. I was at, I think I was at Gallo covering St. John Paul last weekend, and Brian Ferreira, the Falmouth head coach, was there. And I heard him talking and he said about potential locations for their game against DY. And somebody brought up Falmouth Ice Arena and he said, No, I don't want to. You don't want to play there. No, he said, I don't want to play him at home. We've never beaten him at home. So, yeah, that phenomenon is not lost on uh, the coaches in, right. in this rival and what is becoming a really good rivalry. Right, absolutely. But, you know, DY still has some talent coming back. You know, the three homes is Chase Lilly and Phoebe should all expect it to be back. Mm -hmm. I know a couple of them had to deal with injuries throughout the year. So, yeah. Really, the big thing is if DY can build back up its depth because I think that was kind of its downfall at the mm -hmm. end. Really tough to compete at that high level with only 16 players. You know, Falmouth was matching lines and being more physical by using its size. And sure. you need that depth of players just to be able to match with other teams and limit the amount of mismatches you get and also give some of these players some extra rest mm -hmm. between shifts because a lot of times you're just rolling two lines. So it's very, very exhausting. And, um, yeah, we'll see if the youth can come up for DY, but... Falmouth, in the meantime, they're moving on to the quarterfinals to play number seven, Notre Dame Hingham. Um, as of last night, that game hadn't yeah, been I set checked, yet. I checked the MIA said at about 11 a.m. this morning and still nothing. Right. I called uh, Kathleen Burke, the AD at Falmouth, Brian Ferreira, the coach, nothing. Yeah, it, it's probably going to be later this week. I know DY last year played its quarterfinal on a Friday afternoon. Mm -hmm. So um, we're thinking Thursday, Friday, something like and that. It's would make and it'll, it should be a neutral location, I would think. Most likely at this round because it's a state quarterfinal, too. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it means two, there's only eight teams left. You're in two teams. wins away from the garden. Pretty so. much. <laughs> so, but Notre Dame Hingham beat Falmouth twice this year, 6-1 and 5-1. You know, Falmouth kept it close in that first 6-1 matchup. Um, it was 2-1 for most of the game, but then kind of just fell apart. Um, Notre Dame really has some stellar talent offensively, and that really helped lead it to a state title a couple of years mm -hmm. ago. Um, Alexa Graziano is Notre Dame's uh, key player. 28 goals during the regular season, wow. 11 assists. And that's just through 20 regular season games. So almost two points a game, basically. Just about, yeah. Kelly Morris, he had two goals against Dedham in, in the 3-2 win in the first round. And um, interestingly enough, uh, Notre Dame Hingham also has an eighth-grade goalie, uh, Lily Pendergast. Um, mm -hmm. 
uh, 1.90 goals goals against average, 91.2% save percentage, and four shutouts this season. So it's not going to be an easy matchup. And But if Falmouth's defense can play mm-hmm. with the same tenacity they did against D.Y., you never know what could happen here. Got a chance, They're going to have sure. to step it up a little bit, though, because I think if they give up four goals, it's going to be a yeah. know, very tough game to win. I think more of the two to three range. Mm-hmm. And, you know, let, let a player like Sam McKenzie pick her spots and get a couple goals. And you never know what could happen at this stage. Definitely. Meanwhile, turning over to boys hockey, uh, as we mentioned, Barnstable and Bourne are still both in it. Barnstable in Division One, Bourne in Division Three. The South Sectional Tournament is all at Gallo. This, uh, it's going to wrap up this weekend, basically. Big win for the Red Raiders over Braintree. It's the guys that we, th- we thought have carried this team the whole year, guys like Jack Cordero, like Brian Fry. I mean, this win was of a piece with all of their wins this year. Yeah, and really, you're almost, they're almost a um, benefited from their schedule this year, in a sense. And mm-hmm. I say that because, you know, fine with when you look at the top-heavy competition they played this year, you know, Marshfield twice, you had Catholic Memorial, they had BC High, you know, mm-hmm. in their own tournament. They didn't end up with high as a seed, had to play in the first round, ended up losing a one nothing game to Franklin. Mm-hmm. Franklin now is in the semifinal, but, you know, Barnesville got that bye, which I thought was huge. I mean, that just gave them some extra time to prepare, maybe get some guys who are a little banged up healthy. And For sure. They came out flying against Braintree, took the lead. Um, it was 2-2 late in the third period, and Jack Cordero, I know you just did a feature on over the weekend, uh, just had a phenomenal game. And, um, you know, just really tremendous effort, you know, all around by the captains. You know, you had alternate captain Brendan Jones scoring. Brian Fry, um, also an alternate captain, had a goal, actually had the go-ahead goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you said in your story last week, you talked about Jack and brother Chris Cordero have been on the same lines. Well, Barnesville was on the power play when Fry scored that go-ahead goal. And um, it was a great combination. Chris kept him in the zone, found his brother Jack, and mm-hmm. then Jack found a freak, uh, streaking Fry. And that's, there's your combination that's yep. been playing off the last few weeks. For sure. And they talk specifically about how much chemistry they feel like has been working for them on the power play. That was some where they thought specifically they were having a lot of success. You know, and this is, it's a new power play unit this year because Chris couldn't, he didn't make the varsity last year. He was close. That was a deep team that had a lot of seniors and there just wasn't really a spot for Chris mm-hmm. who was only a sophomore at the time. But, but yeah, it's good to see that power play really work for them. Yeah, I have to say, you know, Cordero was really excited by scoring the up to net goal. I didn't know from your story. didn't know that Jack was actually an acronym. <laughs> yeah. Nobody did because it's J, a capital, and lowercase AC. But yeah. Right. But everyone calls him Jack. I asked right. him, what do you want to be called? I said Jack. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> no, no, definitely a tremendous leader and, and consensus, as Toast Team Gray said, for a captain. Um, but yeah, this has been a fun team to watch all season mm-hmm. long. I mean, they play with passion. For the most part, they keep their heads when things don't always go right. And then the big thing, too, is goalie Connor Higgins. You know, we've talked about the goalie situation back and forth with Eddie Donovan and, and Higgins, but mm-hmm. Higgins was clearly the, the better hand down the stretch and just really played phenomenally. The only two goals we gave up were on the power play. So, I mean, or, well, excuse me, the Barnesville was on the penalty kill when they yeah. gave up those two goals, just to sure. be clear. Um, and ended up being the playoff goal. And just like last year, yeah, he, he played well in, in the playoffs and really liked it at Gallo. So, He's turned it on in the last few months. Barnesville Hacks hasn't allowed more than two goals in a game over its last nine games. That's how you win these kinds of And that's things. going all the way back to the Nosset, the fourth we lost in Nosset, which right. was coming off a huge win against Falmouth. Mm-hmm. You know, in, and they in were the just a little drained mentally, I think. Right, probably just a little overlooking that one. So certainly ever since that point, the defense has really stepped up and probably doesn't get as much credit as it deserves. You know, But certainly Higgins doing a good job you know, limiting those opportunities. And if the only goals you're giving up are on... Um, you know, power play goals, then 
you're usually doing something right. Right. So next up for the Red Raiders is the D1 South Semifinals. That's Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. at Gallo. They're going to take on number one Duxbury. Uh, and the two teams didn't meet up in the regular season. Duxbury won 2-1 in that game, right? Yeah, it was two. It was a really close game. Um, you know, one nothing for for a long time. Duxbury pulled ahead mm-hmm. late. Jack Woodair actually got a late goal in that game too to make it two one. But um, yeah, Duxbury defensively is also very sound. I mean, they won their quarterfinal two nothing over Wellesley. Um, it was one nothing for most of it though, and they got an empty net. I think like eleven seconds left. So, you know, Barnsville has proven that it can play just about any style it wants. Mm-hmm. And I think the real big thing in here is that they can get a lead on Duxbury. I think that'll just flip the dynamic, and they're going to be in this one for quite some time. Problem with last year when they got to the the second playoff game is that they fell behind to Marshfield and had to play catch up the yeah. entire game. So I think taking the lead that first goal is going to be really key in this one. It could end up being 0-0 when we go to overtime. <laughs> we really don't know um, based on how these goaltenders and how these defenses have played. So um, we'll see who advances out of that Wednesday. The final would be back at Gallo at 5.30 p.m. Sunday. That would be against Franklin or Catholic Memorial. Mm-hmm. So certainly going to be an uh, interesting clash in that one. Definitely. Last up, Born Boys. I mean, you've covered this team. You've seen them. You've talked to some of them. What do you think their chances are in the semifinals? Well, I'm certainly they got a huge lift yesterday by Ashland knocking off Hanover and mm-hmm. really setting up an epic rematch of last year's South Sectional uh, quarterfinal in which Ashland defeated Bourne. And Ashland, I, you know, I say it every year. Ever since two years ago, I saw them play against Nantucket, undefeated Nantucket, and give them a game. Mm-hmm. This is a team that's always counted out seemingly every single year. They get a low seed. They're kind of unsuspecting. And all of a sudden, they're in the semifinal, just like they were last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, this team is, has you know, especially led – well, actually, I'll get into Ashland a little bit. Bourne right now – it's all been all about scoring this year. And yesterday, it was different. It was about defense and it was about goaltending, just as we talked about with Barnstable. Kyle McGuire really won it for the Canalman with a 2-1 victory. 21 saves, including a pair of breakaways. Uh, and the defense led by senior alternate captain Ethan Morse was just incredible playing well in front of him, playing with a lot of heart. Uh, Max Hess had the winning goal in the second period, while Mike Benito had the first of the game. But um, this group is hungry and, and mm-hmm. gotten in a way – a huge boost again by not having to face top seeded Hanover, a team that lost to 4 1 a couple weeks ago. So now they got to feel real confident. I think being on their home ice in the semifinal where they expected to be, and now they got a chance to right some wrongs from last year. Um, but again, you know, Jackson Horning of uh, Ashland might be one of the best players, if not the best player in this tournament. Mm-hmm. He's an MVP of the Tri Valley League, very difficult division. Actually, it was funny enough, you could have an all-Tri-Valley final because Ashland and Hoppington, Hoppington's in the other semifinal, okay. could end up playing each other in the final. So um, Horning had both goals against Hanover, 17 goals, 8 assists during the regular season. But he's not the only dangerous one. Fellow captain Brian Gazzard, uh, 19 goals and 16 assists. Very dangerous on the ice for an Ashland team that looks a lot like the New York Rangers out there with their blue <laughs> uniforms. And um, Borm will have the higher seed, so again, we'll, we'll see those... Uh, Rangers type uniforms. Don't be confused when you when you watch the game. But yeah, that game's gonna be 7:30 p.m. Thursday, uh, semifinal again. Ashland's the number nine seed. Um, last year's matchup was two to one. In case you're curious, and again, uh, sectional final will be 3:15 p.m. Sunday at Gallo. They play either Coyle Cassidy or Hopkinton in the other semifinal. So, going to be a really interesting game. Um, and what I like about Bourne too, you know, I haven't mentioned just. The, the amount of guys that can score, too. You yeah. know? Guys like Bonino aren't even mentioned as much. Um, Morris doesn't get a lot of mentions, too. But those guys, Kyle Cassano, for example, don't get a lot of mention. But he's right up there with goal scoring. Um, 
you know, Chase Lapworth, mm-hmm. all these guys, the, brothers, the two yeah. Hess brothers, you know, we, it could be from, it can be from anybody. Anybody could be the hero at this game. It's just going to be a matter of who wants it more. Definitely. So the last team that's still in the postseason is in basketball. The Cape Cod Academy boys basketball team are in the Division Four South semifinals. That is Wednesday, 6.30 p.m. at Taunton. They are either going to play number three Old Colony or number six Cohasset, who take who play each other uh, tonight. You know, I was at uh, CCA's big win over Holbrook in uh, 62-56 final on Sunday. That was at CCA. That was the quarterfinals. The idea of a team win is kind of cle- it's like a big sports cliche. I sometimes even think coaches just use it because they don't want to. They don't want to signal anybody out. They don't want to elevate <laughs> one player over anybody else. Um, but. If I look back and think about the game that I watched, every player that Adam Rose played, and he had to play pretty much his entire bench because they had some foul trouble issues, made at least two or three really big plays uh, to help the team. So it was, you know, a complete team win. Obviously, Jaden Greenleaf is playing out of his mind right now. He had 33 points with five three-pointers against Holbrook. That was coming off of a 32-point game against Upper Cape, but... You know, in the fourth quarter where the game was tied early and CC had to pull away, you had A.J. Lusty. He had eight, including two really big backdoor layups in uh, the fourth quarter. Andrew James had a big bucket in the fourth. Alex Marshan had a critical layup and foul with about a minute to go. He did foul out on the next play, but that really, that lead really did put Holbrook on its heels, I think. And he, of course, had this ridiculous six-point play that I've never seen before where he hits a three while getting fouled, misses the free throw. The ball bounces to him for an offensive rebound, and he just steps back and hits another three. So basically six points in the span of two seconds well, of actual game We had clock. a legit five-point play at the foul with girls' basketball game. I covered. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll get to that a little bit later. But, yes, maybe there was just uh, the, the moon was in the right shape in the sky, I guess, maybe. for that day. <laughs> you know, Alex Marchand, he's averaging 14.5 points in the playoffs. So if him and Andrew James can both hit double figures and Jaden continues to do what Jaden's done, they have a really good chance to, to win this game and, and get to the finals, I think. You know, even guys like Chris Kenny and Devin Daniels, a steal here, a rebound there, a, a layup that sets up somebody else for maybe a rebound or something like that. And they all played really good quality minutes on defense as well. You know, you sometimes see games where you have to take the starters out and the backups just cannot hold it. This team, whoever Rose went with, they all played well. They never let Holbrook get on a run. They played a really pretty basic, just kind of half-court man defense. They didn't use that trap that they've used all year. But what I think that actually did was keep Holbrook from really being able to play with any kind of speed, and I think that definitely worked in, uh, to CCA's advantage, even if it did you know, leave them a little bit vulnerable uh, on three-pointers. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a real interesting matchup. Old Colony in the semifinals. Old Colony, a team that Mashby, I believe, eliminated on its on his road to the Division Four state title last year. Um, Jake, I Jake, think so. Yeah, yeah. Monomoy knocked him out two years ago. Um, right. So, I mean, this this is going to be a hungry team, and especially with Jake Jason, who's been battling all these years, it's been phenomenal. Arguably, one of the best. Uh, players in the area, at least for small schools in recent years. For sure. He's going to be real determined to get him there. You know, Cape Cod Academy, I'm curious, you think it may be heading on the road now. Mm-hmm. Might be a little bit of a disadvantage because we've seemingly Cape Cod Academy plays really well at home. Yes. And um, I'm curious if that's going to follow through when they go to Taunton, you know, a field house, you know, compared to the gym that they play in right now. For sure. And probably whichever team they play is going to travel a little bit better because Taunton is going to be a little bit closer to 
you know, it's an off Cape school. So whether or not it's old colony or Cohasset, those schools, I suspect may be able to bring slightly larger and louder crowds to Taunton. Than, it was a good crowd. The other, it certainly oh, Cape Cod Academy. At the Holbrook game, the crowd, it was amazing. The whole state gym was packed. There were cheerleaders for Holbrook, which is a v- big rarity uh, in for Cape road and teams. I- yeah. Yeah. Or just Cape and Islands teams in, in general. I think the Sturgis schools have cheerleading, but a lot of them don't. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there were people lining the walkway to, uh, behind the home, the near uh, basket. There were guys on the balcony up ahead. I Where mean, did you watch the game? <laughs> uh, I stood behind the scorer's table. Yeah, that's it was a good the only, idea. <laughs> only area I didn't have an obstructed view. <laughs> um, you know, so yeah, with Old Colony, they beat South Shore Christian Academy in the first round. It was a 71-54 win. You mentioned Jake Jason. He had 24 points in that game. Hunter Soares and Zach Susie had 17 uh, each. The interesting thing about Old Colony is – Neither they nor uh, Cohasset ever played CCA, but uh, Old Colony did have six games against teams that CCA also played. Pretty similar results in all, in all except one instance. So Old Colony swept St. John Paul II. Total aggregate victory was a little bit more. Cape Cod Academy was a little bit better this season against Cape Tech, but both teams swept Cape Tech and with pretty uh, decisive victories. The biggest difference is that Old Colony actually lost to Upper Cape once this year uh, by five points. The other time they did win by 26 points. Uh, CCA, they beat Upper Cape three times, and all three times the games weren't close. Or if they were, they were only close for a few minutes before CCA pulled ahead. Make of that whatever you will. Cohasset, the Skippers beat Westport 62-38 in the first round. Liam Cunney and Jimmy Gretsch had 14 points apiece. In terms of who I think CCA might want to play, we're going to talk in a minute about kind of how the Cape and Islands stacked up against other leagues they played in the postseason. But CCA, I think, wants Old Colony. The, they've beaten two Mayflower Athletic Conference teams already in the postseason. Old Colony would be a third. I think the Cape and Islands in general did better against the MAC than against, say, the South Shore League, which is what Cohasset plays in. Maybe that stuff doesn't matter at all. Uh, but if it does, I think CCA definitely wants Old Colony. All right, absolutely. And we'll just see how, you know, certainly the shooting's been outstanding for Greenleaf and James and all those guys. Again, going on the road, we'll see if that, you know, stays yeah. the case. Because I think we've seen a situation where Cape Cod Academy's had to go to Nantucket, for example, where yep. their shooting's been a little off and or they're not Mon able Amoy. to play the same kind of style. So sure. it's not going to be easy, certainly. Um, and, and we'll see how that shapes out mm-hmm. um, on Wednesday, right? Yep, yep Wednesday. on Wednesday. So. Because they're the only basketball team left, one thing I thought would be fun is to look at kind of how the Cape and Islands and how the local teams did against the various leagues they played in the postseason. A lot of times people argue that the Cape and Islands is not a stronger conference, and so you get teams with really inflated records, which gets them a high seed that maybe they don't deserve. Clearly, CCA so far has lived up to its number two seed, but we have seen higher seeds from other teams that have not kind of borne out Nantucket girls, for instance, probably lost before they thought they should have. Um, so I did some comparison. Uh, and in terms of uh, conference play, the, te- the league that the Cape and Islands did the best at was the Mayflower Athletic Conference. Um, there were six games against MAC teams uh, last week, and uh, the Cape and Islands teams went four and two. Uh, the, team, the league that they've struggled the most against is definitely the South Shore League, um, where they have yet to beat them, actually. Cape teams, including... Mashpee, which is a South Shore League team, is oh, went 0-4 last week against teams from, like off-cape teams from the South Shore League. Um, so I, in, in ter- they've also, but the Cape Nines did play very well against South Coast Conference, not as well against Eastern Athletic Conference. 
the point, the conclusion I kind of draw is that the Cape and Islands is kind of in the middle. I think the South Shore League is probably a stronger basketball conference. I think Cape and Islands, you could argue, is at least as good as the MAC. Um, in terms of how the ACL played, they played a lot of uh, Patriot League and Bay State Conference teams. Uh, on the boys' side, all three teams got knocked out in the first uh, round, and so did Marshfield. So the ACL sent four teams to the playoffs, and not one of them won a playoff game on the boys' side. On the girls' side, Falmouth uh, beat a Boston City League team and then lost to a South Coast Conference team in Old Rochester. Nossett beat a Hockamock team and then lost to a Patriot League team, and then Sandwich lost to a South Shore League team. So the South Shore League did really have the Capes number this year. Um, I wouldn't say necessarily that any of these results really surprised me. The Nantucket girls have earned high seeds and then lost before. That's kind of been an unfortunate pattern with them for the last few years. The boys, the Nantucket boys, they were playing a higher seed on the road. Probably didn't expect to get beaten by that much, but uh, which happened yesterday, but I don't think a loss was out of the question. The Falmouth and Nosset girls games, those were both decided by two points. They were, you know, Falmouth and Nosset each had the chance to tie or take the lead late. One play goes their way, and they're moving on. I think the team with the most upside of all these teams that have been eliminated is the Falmouth girls. Basically, the entire team should be back next year including, obviously, Kaylin, Anya Thomas, Ariana Sylvia, Skylar Gonzalez. I look at kind of the what's coming back for the other teams that are going to be in that big Cape and Islands League division. Nossett is losing Reagan Mean and Francesca Ganella. Barnstable is losing Carly Whiteside. If Falmouth can stay healthy, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't be able to uh, just cruise to a Cape and Islands large win next year. And then on the boys' side, obviously, CCA will have everybody back and – I think they should be fine. And they, they don't even have camp polls right now, so they could be um, even better next year, I think. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how that big division shapes up for sure with those teams. Um, on the girls' side, though, very tough, a very eerily similar how found with the Nosset loss. Yeah. The big thing with Nosset, though, is Skylar Gonzalez falling out yesterday, and they had to play the last few minutes. Or just Skylar Gonzalez. Was, Skylar Sanderson yeah. fouled out the last few minutes. Too many Skylars. Um, <laughs> um, um but yeah, I mean, they had it. They had a shot to tie or win it. Three point in the corner, missed out. Then a putback attempt, just kind of rolled around the rim and just went out. That's basketball, right? Sometimes Pretty you much. just don't get the bounces. But they were the fact that they were in that game without arguably their best player, you know, at the end shows that they had a lot of heart. And mm-hmm. um, sometimes you just don't get the bounces you need for the win. Found with it was almost a case like watching a one mile race where they jog the first three miles and all of a sudden in the fourth quarter everyone just kind of takes off. Mm. And it really just became a race to who could get to 40 points first. And old Rochester got there. And, you know, Falmouth had its chance. It was down seven points with a minute left. And then Kayla Thomas, who had four three-pointers in, in the fourth quarter, pulls up for a three right next to her. Skylar Gonzalez gets fouled. Three-pointers, good. Mm-hmm. And then they count the foul for the one and one And then <laughs> Gonzalez bank, banks a pair of free throws and cuts it to two points just like that. Huh. So it was uh, a play I've never seen before. Yeah. But certainly a lot of heart at the end. It just wasn't Falmouth's wasn't Falmouth's night. I mean, they had a chance to, again, to tie or win. They, they went for a three-point in the left corner. They got blocked, and mm-hmm. they just didn't have enough time to put a to get a putback attempt up on the rim. So, you know, tough way for the season to end, but certainly neither team went down without fighting. No, absolutely not. And I think if you're going to lose, even though it was more painful initially, mm-hmm. you didn't get blown out, and you no. certainly showed you belong at that level. And absolutely. Showed that they, with a couple things go a little bit differently, we'd be talking about them playing this week for a uh, shot to go to the finals. For sure. And in general, you know, the first round, the preliminary round, you might see some teams that are only like okay and 
you might get some pretty lopsided yeah. victories. Once you get even to the quarterfinals, where those are uh, teams that belong, yeah, the most all part. of them are going to be good teams. Uh, you know, so and again, two points. One play goes the other way, and the other team probably wins the game. So, you know, that's that's sport. But then it's like you know the whole thing from the Mighty Ducks, right? It's like you hit the post when it could have gone in, but you also could have missed the net completely, right? Exactly. Just as many things could go wrong the other way than where you wouldn't be as close in the game. So right. that's that's how sports is sometimes. That's my philosophy lesson for the day. Yeah, if I could do a good Al Pacino impression, I'd do the speech from uh, any given Sunday about yeah. life being a game of inches. Well, that uh, voice today, you might, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, <laughs> you I, might maybe, be able to pull it off. Maybe when we get off mic, we'll do some uh, B-roll. Um, <laughs> this is a show need. We're about a year into this. And we need some behind-the-scenes stuff. Yeah. We'll finish up just real quick with indoor track. We had the New England meet last weekend at Reggie Lewis Center. Uh, that was the final meet of the indoor track season, so everybody can start looking forward to the spring and actually Please getting bring some warm weather. Warm weather, bring getting to compete at your own place and not having to travel an hour and a half for every meet that you're going to compete in. Uh, you know, Falmouth, Abby Chorches, she's a junior. She finished 10th in the shot put. Uh, best throw was 37 feet, 7.5 inches. Uh, Dennis Yarmas, Tiana Basie was qualified for the New England meet but did not compete. Uh, Martha's Vineyard, Mar- uh, Mackenzie Condon, senior, took 10th in the 55-meter hurdles. Her time was 8.69 seconds. Nasa sophomore, Monique Malcolm, 12th in the 55-meter dash in 7.44 seconds. Real, I mean, Condon, this is her last year. I, I think she's always been a little bit stronger in the spring than the, the winter. Uh, but Churches and especially Malcolm, I think both of these two have very good track careers ahead of them. Absolutely. And Condon, you know, she competed um, the pentathlon, I believe, over mm-hmm. the weekend and, or the, the week of earlier yeah, yeah. in the week. I think if she goes to the next level, she has a very good chance of being a, a multi-athlete. It's very difficult to call this level and only so many people can do it. But I think if she keeps working at it, she'd be a great fit there because she's strong. Being strong in the hurdles is a big step because you get a lot of multi-athletes where that's arguably their yeah. most difficult event. Because it's uh, the footwork for hurdles is so intricate, um, mm-hmm. and it's you've got to just do it over and over again until it's right. just muscle memory. I mean, I had co- I had college teammates. That's all they did with hurdles because that's all they practiced. And that's mm-hmm. all they knew how to do. Yeah, <laughs> and it's a lot of, a lot of work. So having that down, I think gives her a good leg up. Um, Chorch's nice finish for her. You know, she was kind of second fiddle to Basie all year mm-hmm. in a sense of with Cape teams, you know, right. Cape athletes stacked up. But for her to get all the way through to New England to make a top ten finish in New England, that's pretty impressive for the junior who. I think next year is going to come back even stronger. I think so too. I think she got a good chance of earning a, a good chance to compete at the next level too. She you know keeps it up, and then Malcolm again only a sophomore, first seat of indoor track certainly has a lot to be proud of. Has a school record now, I believe, in three hundred and the in the fifty five dash. Like that, yeah. So yeah, the sky's the limit for. I mean, she's so really, long as she sticks around. Yeah. Um, again, she came here last summer to to live with her mom. So. Mm-hmm. Um, We'll see how the citizenship part holds up, but we'd love to see her around, certainly, because uh, she's going to be a leader for this NASA team if she can do so. And you saw it, you know, in all states, she was third in the in, in state of Massachusetts, going up against some of the best sprinters mm-hmm. in the region. So, you know, the sky is the limit for, for Malcolm. And, and again, I'm really excited to see what she can put together the next two years. Very cool. I think that ought to do it for uh, today's episode of Cape Sports Now. You can find this episode and all of our old episodes at our website, capecodtimes.com slash capesportsnow. You can also find it on our Facebook page. Just search for Cape Cod Times. You can download this episode in podcast form through Google and uh, Apple podcast apps. 
Uh, you can also check with us on Twitter uh, for updates on the games, when Falmouth Girls Hockey will be playing, uh, all that kind of stuff. Our sports department uh, handle is SportsCCT, or, yeah, SportsCCT. Yeah, got it. <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing this for so long, and I can't remember. Anyway, and you can follow us individually on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Matt Goisman, CCT. That's M-A-T-T-G-O-I-S-M-A-N-C-C-T. And I'm Steve underscore Dardarian, last name D-E-R-D-E-R-I-A-N. We appreciate you watching. See you next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.